settle down. You're in my teaching time. All right. All right. Proverbs. Proverbs. Let's get to Proverbs. Chapter number 18. Chapter number 18, verse number 19. I am thrilled to death to be back in the house of the Lord. Thrilled to death. I'm glad to be here. And uh, I'm telling you, it's good to be saved and be around folks that want to study the Word of God. Uh, Brother uh, John Beatty had me in the gym today, and uh, he put me on this demonic machine. Uh, it's the one I saw you on yesterday. Uh, is it the elliptical? Is that how, what you call that thing? Let me tell you something. You know, I've been, I've been teaching on friends and loving others and being kind one to another and caring about your brother, and he slapped me on that thing, and he has not paid no attention to nothing I've been preaching for a month. Amen? Because <laughs> if you love a brother, you're not going to put him on that thing. <laughs> Amen? Amen. And when it come time to disbark off that machine, I didn't know how to get off of it. Amen? <laughs> that thing kept moving. Lord, help. So, so it may be a little brief tonight. Amen? Proverbs chapter number 18. And How many of y'all did your homework? How many of y'all did your homework? Invited some folks with to come tonight. Oh, my soul. How many of y'all forgot? Come on, be honest with me. Be honest. Forgot. All right. Y'all got to invite 10 next week. You got to invite 10 next week. All right. Here we go. Verse number 19. Proverbs chapter number 18. Verse number 19. Now, last week, we, it was kind of humorous. We had a good time. Uh, uh, a little levity with, with the whole deal, and it was, a, it was a real cool study, and I enjoyed it a lot. Uh, this week's going to be a little bit more serious. It's going to be a little bit more serious, and, and so uh, we're going to take it that way. We're going to have a good time as God lets us, but uh, this is a really, really important topic. I know I say that every week because all, they all are, but this one's really good. How many of y'all have ever got in trouble because of your mouth before? Has it ever dawned on you that them kind are totally avoidable? Totally avoidable. Uh, I wished I could say that I, I hadn't, I've never, but it, it is what it is. And, and I'd just soon cut them out. How about y'all? Amen. Here we go. Verse 19. A brother offended is harder to be won than a strong city. Boy, that, that right there should tell us a whole lot. A brother offended is harder to be won than a strong city. And their contentions are like the bars of a castle. A man's belly shall be satisfied with the fruit of his mouth, and with the increase of his lips shall he be filled. Verse 21. Let's all read in concert. Help me now. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. Now, did anybody not get an outline? Maybe, maybe you needed an outline and you didn't get one. I want to make sure everybody gets one. Uh, I don't know where they're at, but Nikki Joe, can you help me with that? I think we've got three or four over here. All right, raise your hand, raise your hand real high. Got them in the back right here and in the middle. Uh, let's, let's do that. I forgot to do that a while ago, and I want to make sure right over here, Brother Buchanan, we've got two or three over here. Uh, raise your hand real high. And we'll make sure you get them, all right? Round the front, on that side. Yes, all right, right here, right here. Right in the middle, right in the middle, right here. Miss Perry. Okay, you got it? Oh, okay, I thought they done got you. Okay, anybody else? Anybody else? Okay, well, let's pray. Lord, help us with this. Help us with this. This is, this is one of them deals that, that, that your word says so much about, and sometimes we don't think about it enough. And, Lord, we have issues here. It's, it's, it's a universal problem because we all have a tongue. And we all have issues. Lord, we all have times that our mouth gets engaged before our brain does and, and, and issues happen and it causes uh, relationship trouble, causes problems in our life simply because our mouth runs away with us. Now, Lord, help us with this. And I know, I know you're the only one that can. And, and Lord, there's so much about words and, and speech that we need to, to get and understand tonight. And I pray that you'll help us. I pray that you'll uh, give us what we stand in need of. Because I, I want to be better. I really do. I want to be better in this area. I, I want our people to be better in this area. I want to I do everything I can to, to strengthen uh, my Christian walk. And God, I pray your will be done. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. 
I put in your notes, I put in your notes James chapter number three uh, to go along with our, our verses in Proverbs. We have a ton, a ton of verses in Proverbs uh, that have to do with words and speaking and, and, and uh, all the things that go along with that. Uh, but I, I put in James chapter number three because it, it coincides with what we're talking about. We said in Proverbs uh, 18, verse 21, death and life are in the power of the tongue. In other words, you can speak life or you can speak death. Your tongue has the opportunity to be an encouragement. Your tongue has an opportunity to be a discouragement. Your tongue has the opportunity and the ability to lift up somebody, and your tongue has the opportunity to drag down somebody. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. James chapter 3 in your notes at the top of your page, it says, For in many things we offend all. If any man offend not in word, the same is a perfect man, and able to also bridle the whole body. The word perfect uh, means mature, means complete. Behold, he gives an illustration. We, we put bits in horses' mouths so that they may obey us. We turn about their whole body and Behold, also the ships, which, though they be so great, are driven by fierce winds, yet are they turned about with a very small helm, whithersoever the governor listens. In other words, something, something very big controlled by something very small. Y'all with me? Two different uh, illustrations, two different picture illustrations of, of very big things being run and controlled by very small things. It says, even so the tongue is a little member, and boasteth great things. Behold, how great a matter a little fire kindleth. It's amazing. One match can burn billions of dollars worth of real estate. One match out of control has caused wildfires out west that's destroyed homes and lives and memories. And, 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 and one match... And he's using the same illustration of how, how small the tongue is, but how powerful it is. How great a matter a little fire kindleth. And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. So is the tongue among our members, that it defileth the whole body. And setteth on fire the course of nature, and it is set on fire of hell. For every kind of beast, of birds, and of serpents, and of things in the sea is tamed. I mean, I mean, man's had the ability to tame crazy things. I mean, uh, uh, they, they've done stuff with alligators and, 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 and whales and porpoises and done all kind of stuff. Man's had the ability to tame in nature. It says, been tamed of mankind. But, but, what are we reading? Now watch what the Bible says. But the tongue can no man tame. We can tame horses and we can tame cows and we can tame all kind of nature, all kind of things. But he says the tongue can no man tame. It is unruly, evil, full of deadly poison. What do we do with things that we cannot tame? We keep them caged up. You with me? What, what do we do with animals that are wild? What do we do with animals that are poisonous? What do we do with things that cannot be tamed, cannot be controlled, cannot be uh, regulated? We keep them caged up. And, and James is using these illustrations to help us understand how powerful the tongue is, how powerful our words are. We are so loose with our words. We are so free with our words. We will speak before we ever think. And he wants us to understand how powerful, how cutting, how dangerous, how damaging our tongue and the words we use can be. He says the tongue can no man tame. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Truly, a judge speaks some words and a guilty prisoner is taken to a cell on death row. A gossip makes a phone call and a reputation is blemished or perhaps ruined. Just a set of words. Just a set of words has ruined somebody's life. A cynical professor makes a snide remark in a lecture and a student's faith is destroyed. It's amazing the power in the tongue. 
Never, ever underestimate the power of words. For every word in Hitler's book, Mein Kampf, 125 people died in World War II. Now, I don't know if y'all have seen Hitler's book, but it's pretty thick. And for every word in that book, 125 people died in World War II. Solomon was correct. Death and life were indeed in the power of the tongue. James compared the tongue to basically three things that we just read, a destroying fire, a dangerous beast, and deadly poison. Destroying fire, a dangerous beast, and deadly poison. I titled tonight's lesson, uh, Playing with Fire. Playing with Fire. Uh, what, is, what is the old saying? What is the old saying? If you play with fire, say it with me, you're going you gonna to get burned. May not be today, may not be the first time, but you keep messing around with it. You know, you know. I, I, I don't mean this disrespectfully, and I'm, I'm almost reserved to, to even say anything like this, but there were, there were comedians all the time that would make jokes about the crocodile hunter. Oh, he keeps messing with him. Sooner or later, he's going to get, you know, he's going to get, he's going, you know what? It, it is what it is. If we play around and we mess around with something that we know is dangerous, something that we know is that way, it's going to catch up with us. It's going to catch up with us. So let's do this. Let's go through Proverbs. Let's go through Proverbs and let's really learn what Proverbs has to say about uh, our, our tongue and our words and our speech. Because in the very beginning, I feel a little tense right now. Just what I've read so far has got me nervous. I mean, I don't want to open my mouth again. And I'm feeling that right now. But we, we, we got to understand, the same verse says that death and, oh, yes, 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 life. As dangerous as it is, as dangerous as it is, and, and as harmful as it can be, and as difficult and damaging as it can be, oh, it can bring life into dead things. It can bring encouragement to discouraged people. I, I, I received so many texts and emails and, and notes and stuff from people who were really, really discouraged that came Sunday, and it just was a blessing to them, and, and God spoke to their hearts. And it wasn't me. It wasn't nothing I did. It was all God, and God spoke to their heart. And, 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 and listen, God spoke life into them. And that's the kind of people we need to be. That's the kind of husbands we need to be. That's the kind of uh, wives that we need to be. That's the kind of parents that we need to be. That's the kind of church members we need to be. Ones that understand the danger, but utilize the tongue to be a builder and not a destroyer. Y'all with me? Say amen. Let's look at a few things. Let's look at a few things tonight. First, don't you see the comparison that's made in, in the book of Proverbs when it comes to our words? Our words, the, the, the speech that we give. First, it's compared to precious metals. Write that word down. If you're taking notes, our words and our speech is compared to precious metals. The images used in Proverbs for human speech indicate the value. And, and, and what, what's the big deal about precious metals? They're valuable. They're valuable. People kill for gold and silver. Uh, wars are fought over gold and silver. Uh, people have died over this very, very valuable and what 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 the proverbs is saying and what the writer is saying that your words can be very very valuable are y'all with me say amen uh we are not only taking these for granted but often we waste and abuse them we abuse our words wise words are compared to gold and silver proverbs ten twenty, proverbs ten twenty says the tongue of the just is like choice silver the heart of the wicked is little worth proverbs 25 11 and 12 a word fitly spoken is like apples of gold and pictures of silver. As an earring of gold, an ornament of fine gold, so is a wise reprover upon an obedient ear. So, so we see the comparison to precious metals. Our words can be as valuable and precious as, the, as gold and silver. Now, I want you to underline, I want you to underline these, two, these two sentences here. Our words ought to be as balanced, beautiful, and valuable as the most precious jewelry. We ought, now, here's the key. We ought to work as hard as the craftsmen to make them that way. Our words should be balanced. Our words should be beautiful. 
Our words should be valuable. But the only thing that makes it that way is the work that goes into it to make it that way. In other words, we need to think before we speak. We need to work on this stuff. We need to work on what we say. We need to work on, you say, how do I do that? We're going to get in detail in the end of the, end of the lesson. But how many of y'all are understanding what I'm saying? This is important. We should not take this, this haphazardly. This is not just something that, oh, well, this is a, I, I can do without this. No, you can't. If there's ever one we need, this is it right here. All right? It's compared to precious metals. B, it's, it's compared, our words are compared to refreshing water. Refreshing water. Brother Jonathan had me wanting refreshing water. I'm over there sweating, sweating like a dog, and he ain't even broke a sweat. And I, I, how many of y'all have ever been real, real thirsty? And you couldn't get water. Didn't that make you even more thirsty? And do you remember how good the water tasted when you finally got it? That's what our words are. That's what our words are. Look at this. The mouth of a righteous man is a well of life, but violence covereth the mouth of the wicked. You see it? The mouth of a righteous man is a well of life. Proverbs 18.4, the words of a man's mouth are as deep waters. Uh, listen, if you're going to get cool water, you got to go deep. In a hot and dry place, we need cool water. But the only way to get that is to go deep. And the Bible says that a mouth, wisdom, and words can be as deep waters. The wellspring of wisdom is a flowing brook. When we listen to and appropriate the words of a godly person, it's like taking a drink of refreshing water. Proverbs 13, 14. The law of the wise is a fountain of life to depart from the snares of death. But it isn't enough for the wise to speak to us. We must be prepared to listen. Proverbs 16:22 Understanding is a wellspring of life there's that water again wellspring of life and unto him that hath it but the instruction of fools is folly the soul of a heart must be prepared and the seed of the word planted or the water won't do us much good now let me talk about that just a minute here's the thing you say how, what are you talking about comparing water it's refreshing water uh, how about how about that individual at work who's going through the worst time of his life uh, everything's gone wrong in his life. Everything, he feels like he's the lowest, lowest on the totem pole he's ever been, has no self-esteem whatsoever, and you come and you give words of encouragement, and he'll lap it up like he's thirsting to death. And he's thirsty. He's thirsty for encouragement. Thirsty for somebody who cares. Listen, our words can be like refreshing water. How many of y'all have ever been encouraged that way? Just by something somebody said to you. Just something somebody said, they just come by, and they probably didn't even know that they were being that encouragement. They were just trying to, trying to be an encouragement, and they had no idea how much you needed what they had to say at that point. Same, this is what it's teaching. It's refreshing water. See, uh, our words are like nourishing food, precious metals, refreshing water, nourishing food. Proverbs 15, 4, a wholesome tongue is a tree of life. But perverseness therein is a breach in the spirit. What a wonderful thing it is to say the right words and help to heal a broken spirit. The phrase tree of life means source of life and goes back to Genesis 2. Proverbs 10.21 says the lips of the righteous feed many, but fools die for want of wisdom. Proverbs 16.24, pleasant words are as a honeycomb, sweet, excuse me, sweet to the soul and health to the bone. Now, we get to choose what they're going to be we get to choose we saw the comparison now i want you to see this this is really important number two i want you to see the potential the potential look what you have potential for i don't even have an education i don't know a whole lot but you know enough to be this you have potential say it with me i have potential, I have potential. say it like you believe it I have, I have potential you have potential for what you have potential to speak life, and you have potential to speak. The choice is yours. The choice is yours. Watch. What we say can help or hurt other people. When we reviewed some of the images of speech found in Proverbs, we learned that our words can bring beauty and value, 
that's the, the gold and silver, nourishment and refreshment, healing to the inner person. But the awesome power of words reveals itself in other positive ways. Now watch this. this it gets even more intense. Our words have the potential for peace instead of war. For peace instead of war. I tell you what, we just can't get along. That crazy woman, she ain't got no sense. I don't even know why. Acts just like her mama and I, you know. Look this way. Look this way. It may save your marriage. Look this way. That goofy man, I tell you what, he's the bottom of the, he's a Neanderthal. He's the missing link, I think. I don't know, you know. You know, some people, some people want war. Some people aren't happy unless they're not happy. Because the life they grew up in, that's the norm. So, so, and, and one, one point, you just holler at me all the time. You just holler at me all the time. And then over here you have this couple, you won't even holler at me. You won't even argue me. You just hush and sit down and also oh, I'm bad because I'm peaceful. <laughs> it can be two things in the home, war and peace. Now watch, now watch. Proverbs 10, or excuse me, Proverbs 15, 1. We talked a little bit about this last week. Read it with me. Read it with me. A soft answer turneth away wrath, but grievous words stir up anger. You say, but they did the, the grievous words first, but you're supposed to respond with the soft one. Now, watch this. Now, what are we reading again? The Bible. Is, is the Bible true? Okay. A soft answer turneth away wrath. That means the soft answer is in response to wrath. Y'all with me? It's not the action, it's the reaction. Do you realize most wars in the home and in relationships are because of the reaction, not necessarily the action? Because if the reaction was what it should have been, it could have cooled down and, and simmered down and, and diffused the situation. I need a witness. Listen, our words have the ability to bring peace and not war. Soft answer turns away wrath, but grievous words stir up anger. Proverbs 15, 18, a wrathful man stirreth up strife. A wrathful man stirreth up strife, but he that is slow to anger appeaseth strife. Very, very important verse. Very important verse. There doesn't even have to be strife, but an angry man is going to make some. Now, here's the deal. We got to figure out why are you angry. Most anger comes from past wounds, and so we got Joe and 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 uh, Joe and Sue. They know Joe and Susie's in here, are they? Together, no Joe. Okay, I've called out before, and I had it dead on the money. I can't do that. Amen. We've got Joe and Susie in here, and 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 Joe is angry all the time. Susie can't do anything right, and it's always an issue. It's always an issue. And really, the, the deal is, Susie hadn't done a blessed thing. But back here in Joe's past, somebody else done him wrong. Somebody else hurt him, and all he's done is carried that baggage and carried that wound and carried that hurt into this relationship. Now Joe's taking out on Susie what Betty done to him. And he's really not mad at Susie. He's mad at Betty, but Susie's here getting it. So whoever the angry one is in the relationship, hey, it, it, it don't have nothing to do with them burning the toast. It has to do with you need to fix your wound because you're angry. An angry man will stir up strife. An angry man will look for something to be angry about. Are y'all with me? Uh, oh, it's going to be fun tonight. But he that is slow to anger... He appeases strife. He's one. hey, I want to fix this. Ain't no big deal. Ain't no big deal, baby. We'll burn some more. Man, throw some more on the stove. Y'all with me? 
say, say, preacher, I've got that anger problem. Well, you need to talk to somebody about that. Because it's not fair for your spouse to have to deal with what somebody else done to you. And people that jump out of one relationship right into another one, that's stupid. Because what happens is, is the wounds that are there, you're going to carry them right over here into this one. I recommend a lot of counsel and a lot of healing and a lot of help. Brother Chris, you deal with this every Friday night. Am I preaching the gospel tonight? This is the truth. It's not always because, you know, and here's the excuse that angry people say, whether it's a man or woman. I've seen, I've seen just as angry women as I have men. I felt sorry for the man. She going, you had it. Poor guy. So this is not a this is not a deal. This is not a man thing or a woman thing. Uh, this is a, this is a this is an issue that is across the board. You know, what is the what is the what is the deal? Let's have peace. I just assume be peaceful, wouldn't y'all? And and let, let's continue. Let's continue. Solomon Solomon isn't advising us to compromise the truth and say what's wrong is really right. He's not saying, let's just all get along, let's just, I'll, I'll forget it, and I'll, you know. That's not what he's saying. He's rather counseling us to have a gentle spirit when we disagree with others. Now, that's hard sometimes. And the reason that's hard sometimes is not because of our DNA, it's because of our pride. Because our pride makes us want to be right. We got to be right. We got to be the one there. And pride goeth before what? Fall. Now, how is our spirit? Are we going into the argument? Are we going into the discussion? Are we going into this thing that's causing a disagreement and strife? Are we going into it with a gentle spirit? You remember what I said last week? Christians need to be able to disagree without being disagreeable. Uh, this can diffuse the situation and make it easier for us to settle the matter peacefully. Once again, the key issue is the condition of the heart. Please get this, ladies and gentlemen. Please get this. The problem is not the burnt food. The problem is not that he forgot to take out the trash. The problem is not the kids messed up again. Kids mess up. That's not the problem. The problems are heart. James said it this way. If there's war in the heart, then our words will be destructive missiles instead of healing medicine. James 3.14 says, But if you have bitter envy and strife in your hearts, glory not and lie not against the truth. Don't, don't lie about it. In the book of James, he talks about wars and, and why are there wars among us. We, we war because of our lusts, our own desires, our own wants, and our own, you know, and, and, and in that same deal, he's saying if there's something in the heart, don't lie about it, don't deceive it, don't make up like it's not there. Fix the problem. Don't ignore it. It won't go away. It won't go away. I promise you it won't go away. It'll just manifest itself in something else. Amen, preacher. That's good stuff right there. Uh, earthly wisdom, I like this, that's why I underlined it. Earthly wisdom advises us to fight for our rights and make every disagreement a win or lose situation. Man, 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 that's me right there. Will anybody uh, be uh, take your halo off for a minute and agree with your preacher right there? I am a poor loser. Big time. I'm, 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 I want to win. I want it, whatever it is. I mean, it, I, I, and, and sometimes I go into this thing and, and I forget that she's my spouse. I forget that she's my sweetheart. I forget that she's my mate. I forget that she's the favor that God gave me. And she becomes my competitor when God intended for her to be my completer. And it goes both ways. It goes both ways. So instead of, let's resolve this. Let's come to an agreement on this. I'm going to win. I'm going to show you how wrong you are. I'm, are y'all with me? And we completely forget our God-given role. Heavenly wisdom seeks for a win-win, not a win-lose, a win-win situation. 
that strengthens the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. This is found in Ephesians 4.3. Applying this wisdom means taking the attitude that's described in Philippians chapter number 2, uh, the attitude that was practiced by Jesus Christ. What was that? Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in the fashion as a man, he humbled himself even the, the death, the death of the cross. What, what is he saying? He gave up something. And the only way, the only way we're going to have what we need in our relationships, we got to be willing to give up something. Now, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not preaching something that's easy. Because most of us, the only relationship experience we have is what we saw modeled in our parents. And, and you, have to, you have to have a class for everything in the world but to get married. And so what happens is everybody, you know, we, we, we talk about generational curses, generational curses. I don't believe in generational curses the way they're pro projected on TV and, and through certain denominations and all of that kind of stuff. I, that's, that's a bunch of garbage. I don't believe because Grandpa Paul was that way that uh, down the line, four generations, he's going to be that way because Grandpa, no. It's a modeled issue. It's what you see. It's what you see modeled in front of you all the time. It's a learned trait. And somewhere along the line, somewhere along the line, somebody needs to step up and say, it stops with me. It stops with me. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to have my grandchildren acting like my grandfather, and I'm not going to have anger going all through my, my, geni uh, 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 my heritage and my children and my grandchildren. It's going to stop right here. Sooner or later, somebody's got to make up their mind. It stops here. Amen? And, it, and it's a choice. It's a choice. And I, I'm, and I hope nobody's upset because I'm preaching to me as much as I'm preaching to you. God, God's speaking in my spirit. This is, this is a deal. I, I have a choice. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Which are you going to choose? Which are you going to choose? Listen, our words have the potential for peace instead of war. B, our words have the potential to restore one who has fallen. Oh, this is a biggie. Our words have the potential to restore one who has fallen. Proverbs 25, 12. As an earring of gold and an ornament of fine gold, so is a wise reprover of an obedient ear. It isn't easy to reprove those who are wrong. And we need to do it in a meek and loving spirit, yet it must be done. Galatians 6, 1. Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are, that's the problem. That's the problem. There's so many places that, where they're not spiritual. Ye which are spiritual, restore such a one. Do you realize, do you realize that church discipline instituted in the New Testament was never for isolation and, and excommunication? It was always for restoration. It was for the restoring of the person because, see, God loves you and me. God loves us enough to discipline us, and God loves us enough that he wants us on the right path. My dad didn't uh, uh, correct me like he did and get my attention like he did just so he could kick me out of the family. He wanted to restore me. He wanted to have fellowship with me. He wanted me to be where I needed to be. So that's why he brought restoration in my life. And words that we use, we can bring somebody up or we can tear them down. I, 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 I've got, I, I, know, I know of a situation where somebody's in a bad way in, 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 the, in the brotherhood and in, in the ministerial uh, deal, and, 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 and it's, it's, it's going to be bad, and, he's, and, and it's probably, uh, 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 and, and I, I know, I know because I know them, I know them. When that, when that thing comes out, it's gonna, it, there's going to be, I told you so, I knew it, he never had it, and it's going to be kick them while they're down. That's not what Jesus did. I imagine everybody said, said, oh, look at Peter. Yeah, yeah, uh-huh. He was the inner circle. He was one of the three amigos. He was all that in the bag of chips, and he thought he was somebody, and he was standing out there. He even walked on water. He thought he was something walking on water, and I tell you what, and he denied the Lord three times. I knew he never had to begin with. 
but at the tomb. When Jesus came out, he said, go tell my disciples, I'm going to be there. Everything's all right. I'm coming back. And by the way, make sure you tell Peter. Because the Bible said after Peter wept bitterly, after, excuse me, after Peter denied the Lord the third time, he went out and wept bitterly. He was so broken. And I imagine, I imagine, y'all come on now. Y'all looking at me awful funny. You know how people talk. Don't look at me that way. I knew it. I knew But Peter even went so far to go back fishing. God done called him from that. God done put him to fishing for men. He had left his purpose. And by the way, guess what happens when we get weak and when we get discouraged? We go back to what's normal to us. We go back to that pipe. We go back to that lifestyle. We go back because that seems normal. But guess what? It don't work no more. Fished all night and caught nothing. And, 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 and when, when they saw that it was Jesus, y'all know the story. I don't need to take time for this. You know, cast the net on the other side, draw all the fish. Peter jumps over and swims to Jesus. Jesus had every right in the world to chew him out. He had every right in the world to do all that, but he gave him something to eat. And when they, when, when they was all warmed up, he said, now, Peter, do you love me? He didn't beat him down. He prepped him for great ministry. Now, I'm going to tell you all something. There's going to be people that mess up high up in leadership because they're human. And it's, it's, it's bound to happen. It's prone to happen. I hope it never happens. But there's going to be people around you in the seat that's going to mess up. You're going to know it. It's going to become public. Something's going to happen. And, and, and the question is, are you going to be spiritual and use your words to restore that brother or that sister, or are you going to use your words to tear them down and push them lower than they already are? Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Church, say amen. amen. To flatter... To flatter those who are disobeying God's word will only confirm them in their sin and make us their accomplices. What does that mean? If somebody's in that way, we have to confront it. You do not confront. We had, we, we've had to do this recently. We've had to confront a situation. And, and we didn't confront the situation because we hated the person. We didn't confront the situation because uh, 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 we didn't like them and we didn't want them here. We wanted them here. But if we condone the sin, if we did not confront it, we were just saying we agreed with it. And you can't do that. You've got to be able to address it and deal with it. All right? C. C. We have... We have the potential. What was A? We have the potential to. What's, what's A? Give me A. Promote peace instead of war. B. Restore the fallen. C. Encourage those who are burdened. Encourage those who are burdened. Proverbs 12.25. Proverbs 12.25 says, Heaviness in the heart of man maketh it to stoop. In other words, it's talking about depression. Depression, but a good word maketh it glad. A good word maketh it glad. Proverbs fifteen twenty three. A man hath joy by the answer of his mouth, and a word spoken in due season. How good is it? When we were uh, when we're walking in the Spirit daily and being taught by the Lord, we we'll know how to speak a word in season to him who is weary. Uh, Jesus said, "I must needs go through Samaria." Why? Why? Why did he say that? Because there's a woman at the well waiting on him. She would be there. He knew she'd be there. I believe he was led by the Holy Spirit. He stayed in communication with his father. He'd get up way before daylight and pray and spend time, intimate time with his father. He was in connection with the Holy Spirit, and he was led by the Holy Spirit. What does that mean? We need to be led by the Holy Spirit because we don't know the broken person that God will bring us into, into contact with that needs our words of encouragement. And it could be your words of encouragement will bring life instead of death. How many people who has, who has contemplated suicide changed their mind because of the encouraging words of a spirit-led Christian? Amen? 
Proverbs 16, 24 says, Pleasant words are as a honeycomb, sweet to the soul and health to the bone. The Royal British Navy has a regulation which reads, No officer shall speak discouragingly to another officer in the discharge of his duties. Boy, that's good to know, isn't it? We need to practice that regulation in our homes and churches. Each of us needs to be a Barnabas, a son of encouragement. Uh, near the close of his famous or of his ministry, a famous British preacher of the Victorian age said, If I had my ministry to do over, I would preach more to broken hearts. Jesus came to heal the brokenhearted. Luke 4.18, and we can continue that ministry today with words of encouragement and hope. I don't know if you, you were here Sunday or you missed Sunday or what the deal was. But in every service Sunday, there was weeping and brokenness at the altar. Every service. And I'm not, I'm not talking about sniffles. I'm talking about a broken spirit, discouraged people. I, I, I've gotten some notes this week. I wished I could read them to you. Brought tears to my eyes. Ladies and gentlemen, please understand this. You have no idea what people are going through that's sitting beside you every week. You, you, contemplating suicide. Contemplating leaving their family. Contemplating just giving up. Discouraged. And by the way, one day, it may be you. I want to invest words of encouragement in others so that one day it possibly can come back to me. Because I'm telling you, one day, you might, I don't care how bubbly you are, I don't, care, I don't care how encouraged you are. I don't care how upbeat you are. There's, there will be a day. There will be a day that you may need some, someone's encouraging word. Amen? Our words can produce peace and not war. Our words can re restore the fallen. Our words uh, uh, can encourage the broken. Now, here's some dangers. Now, it's going to get a little tight now. All right? So... Uh, here we go. Now well, let's look at the danger. The danger. I know, like you, I'm wanting to hurry up to get to that last one to know how to uh, do right. Are y'all with me? Uh, but we need to. We need. To, we we got to get this. This is important. The Bible warns. The Bible warns us that words can be used to deceive, to control, to destroy. It is estimated that the average American is exposed to over 1,500 promotion bites in the course of a day, some of them subliminal and undetected, but all of them are powerful. Whether it's political doublespeak, seductive advertising, or religious propaganda, today's spin doctors know how to manipulate people with words. Do I have amen right there? But it is only some of, listen, it isn't only some of the professional promoters who are guilty. There are many ways that you and I can turn words into weapons and damage others. What are these ways? What are some of the ways that, that we need to be careful of the danger of our words? A, let's look at some ways we can hurt others. A, we hurt others by lying. We hurt others by lying. You know, when you tell a lie... It don't seem like that big a deal when you tell it. But when someone you care about. How many of y'all remember, how many of y'all remember if you got little, 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 little showing sure up, little bitty when uh, you don't even have a clue yet. But your day's coming. How many of y'all remember that, that, that first time that that one that you had all the confidence in the world and all the faith in the world, uh, uh, your child, your darling, your, your, your baby, the perfect child, the, the, the greatest one that's ever been born. You know, we always think that of our children. And, and the first time they lied to you. You remember how that hurt? You remember how it was like, I can't believe it. I mean, it, it, it literally, I, I guess I was naive, I guess, I don't know, but uh, uh, I, it was, it, man, that hurt. 
And sometimes we, we, we don't understand the power of a lie and what a lie will do. Proverbs 12, 19. The lip of truth shall be established forever, but a lying tongue is but a moment. Proverbs 12, 22. Lying lips are an abomination to the Lord. You know what's funny? It's not funny. It's ironic. That we've got Christians that'll run around and 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 I mean I mean just lamb blast and talk nasty and and just jump on uh, 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 gay people and say the Bible says it's abomination. Well, what'd that just say? Y'all didn't read it? What did it say about lying? You ever lie? Then you need to get off your high horse with gay people. Or other things. Now, I'm not for that agenda. I want them all to get saved. But I think we need to be balanced in our attitude and our behavior and, and, and understand a sinner is a sinner. Lying's an abomination. There are several things in the Bible that's an abomination, but we choose one to have a campaign against. Now, what's the point? The point is this. What does God think about lying? That's the whole point of using the word abomination. God, it's disgusting to God. Lying. Lying. Oh, it's just, it's just a little white. Lying lips are an abomination to the Lord. But they that deal truly are his delight. Solomon warns us against bearing false witness and violating the ninth commandment. Several verses you can go through dealing with lying. When words can't be trusted, then society starts to fall apart. Contracts are useless. Promises are vain. The judicial system becomes a farce, and all uh, personal relationships are suspect. One of the marks of liars is that they enjoy listening to lies. It is a basic rule of life that the ears hear what the heart loves. So beware of people who have an appetite for gossip and lies. The world affirms honesty is the best policy. But watch what this guy said. This is great. The British prelate Richard Watley said, He who acts on that principle is not an honest man. We should be honest because we're honest people in heart, walking in the fear of the Lord and not because we're shrewd bargainers who follow a successful policy. It should not be a policy that we adhere to. It should be just what we are. Tell the truth. I had a good friend of mine that I worked in construction with, and he was, he, he ooh. He wouldn't lie to you. You might not like what he heard, what he told you. But you can believe one thing, it was going to be the truth. Sometimes, sometimes. We just need to understand that lying about it's going to hurt worse than what it is we're lying about. I've learned this too. If you're going to be a liar, you better have a good memory. Because what happens is you start telling lies, and then you got to tell lies about the lies you just told, and then you forget the lies you done told, and then all of a sudden you done forgot which one was the lie. And the bad part is a lot of people get so, so used to lying that they start believing their own lies. Let's move to the next one. We hurt others by lying. B, we hurt others by gossiping. Gossiping. Proverbs 18.8. 8. The words of a talebearer are as wounds they go down into the innermost parts of the belly in other words a broken bone will mend a cut will heal but those wounds go down into the soul goes down deep to the inner man 
Leviticus 19.16 says, Thou shalt not go up and down as a talebearer among thy people. Talebearer is the translation of a Hebrew word that means to go about and is probably derived from a word meaning merchant. The talebearer goes about peddling gossip. He's peddling gossip, information. Proverbs 11.13, A talebearer revealeth secrets, but he that is a faithful spirit concealeth the matter. What does that mean? It means this, if he finds out something bad about you, he's not going to run all over town. He's going to try to hide it. A, tail, a tail bearer. Proverbs, Proverbs uh, 20, where are we at? He concealeth the matter. Gossips flatter. You know what is, I, I, I remember this statement, a lie can go around the world before the truth can get his boots on. Is that not true? Gossip flatters people by sharing secrets with them, but to be one of their customers is dangerous. Why? Proverbs twenty nineteen says, He that goeth about as a talebearer revealeth secrets, therefore meddle not with him that flatters with his lips. We must be aware of gossips, and because they do a great deal of damage, Proverbs 16, 28, a forward man soweth strife, and a whisperer se separateth chief friends. Where there is no wood, the fire goes out, and where there is no tailbearer, strife cease. That's the God's truth. Now, now look up at me just a minute before you go to flipping them pages and focus a minute. Let's get down to the nitty-gritty with gossip a minute. Can we do that? Can we do that? What's, what's gossip really about? I mean, really, what's gossip? What's, what, why do people enjoy gossip and, and all of that? It's called pride. Okay. Uh, Brother Barry, come up here. Julio, come up here too. Yeah, you. Come on. All right. Now watch this. All right. This brother does something, so I'm going to come tell this brother what I know about this brother because I want this brother to think I'm a good person. Gossip is all about trying to elevate yourself and make the other one look bad. Because if I can show you how bad he is, that makes me look. In, in critics, in criticism, it's all, that's all it is. It's an effort to make somebody else look bad to try to make you look good. That's pride. Any way you look at it, that's pride. That's pride. And, and, and the old saying is this, if you keep throwing dirt, you're losing ground. Now watch this. Here's another thing. Here's another thing. All right. Now watch. I'm putting him down. I'm putting, you got to go help me, brother. Work with me. <laughs> I'm putting him down. Down, bend your leg, buddy. Bend your leg. <laughs> All right. Keep on. Keep on. I'm putting him down. Keep on. Keep on. What's also am I doing? <laughs> Come on, Pedro. <laughs> Give him a hand, guys. Give him a hand. Give him a hand. Give him a hand. Gossip is probably one of the most damaging things in a church because it, it's one of those things that gets started and you're doing it before you know you're doing it. Because one say, how about that, how about that song? Yeah, I tell you what, I like that song. But boy, did you see what it, they look like? They, my gracious. Well, you know what? I kind of thought that myself. You know, and all of a sudden, here we are. We're degrading somebody by giving our opinion about something. And we get caught up with it. And before long, we're, we're so neck deep in it. And we don't even know how to get out of it. <laughs> gossip. Now, all you that like gossip. Let me, let me give you some advice. If they talk about somebody to you, they're going to talk about you to somebody. 
it's like, it's like, it's like the woman that takes the man, the man lead cheats on, on his spouse to go with this woman. Now, what makes her think she ain't gonna, he ain't gonna cheat on her? Tiger Woods done had 30 or 40 women and, and, and Lindsay, Lindsay Vaughn, what, what's she thinking? She fixed him? <laughs> what makes you think they're not going to talk about you? Oh, we're friends. Uh-huh. Did they find out something about you? Because, see, when that, when that need, when that need to be affirmed and that need to feel important, and that need to feel special gets up there and, and, and they don't talk about everybody else, you're the last one in line. Amen? Gossip. Separateth chief friend. If there's no wood, the fire goes out. If there's no tailbearer, the strife ceases. Uh, sometimes you just you just need to get some people out your life. That's the bottom line. All right, see, quickly, quickly. Oh, my goodness, two minutes. We got to hurry. Quickly. We hurt others by flattery. We hurt others by flattery. And we got to be careful of flattery. You remember what the man said? Be careful of those that are patting you on the back. They're looking for a soft spot. There's plenty of verses in Proverbs. You can read it when you get home. I want to get to the help. God knows we ain't leaving here without getting help. Amen. <laughs> D, we hurt others by speaking in anger. By speaking in anger. I have, you have, we all have, I think, sometime in our life. It's never good to speak in anger. It's never good because most of the time when we're angry, we don't say the right things. You can read that when you get home. We hurt others by anger. E, we hurt others by impetuous speech. In other words, our mouth gets engaged before our brain does. Speaking quickly. Proverbs 29, 20. Seest thou a man that is hasty in his words? There is more hope of a fool than of him. Wow. Proverbs 18, 13. He that answer a matter before he heareth it is folly and shame unto him. Proverbs 15, 28, the heart of the righteous studieth to answer. In other words, a, a good man, a righteous man, he's going to think about what he says before he says it. How many of y'all like to get better at that? I would. God knows I would. I, I, help me, Jesus. Amen. Proverbs 21, 23, whoso keepeth his mouth and his tongue keepeth his soul from troubles. That's what I'm after right there. Keep myself out of trouble. All right, let's look at the help. How are we going to do this? How are we going to get better at our, 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 and, and make sure we're speaking life instead of death? First, it's our surrender. This is important, guys. Pay attention right here. Pay attention. i got to do this quick. How are we going to do this? It's through our surrender. David prayed. David prayed. Now, watch David's prayer in Psalms 141.3. Set a watch, O Lord, before my mouth. Keep the door of my lips. Set a watch. In other words, guard it. Guard it. Guard my lips, Lord. Guard my mouth. He was doing a wise thing and setting a good example. All of God's people need to surrender their bodies to the Lord. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercy of God, you present your bodies a living sacrifice. Amen? And this includes the lips and the tongue. We must also yield our hearts to the Lord because that what comes out of the mouth, and that's big. That's what we got to get. What comes out of the mouth originates where? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How are we going to get control of our mouth? Through our surrendering to him. God, please control me. God, I want, I want to speak your words. I want you to, you, you, I, I want you to have total control of my mouth. Then B, through his spirit. Through his spirit. Through our surrender and through his spirit. On many occasions, I've had to make decisions about complex matters. Many times in counseling and decisions in leadership. And the Lord has given me just the words to speak. However, if my heart had not been in touch with his word and yielded to his will, the spirit might not have been able to direct me. If we make our plans the best we can and commit them to the Lord, he'll guide us in what we say and do. 
God gives us a spiritual radar so that we can assess the situation and make the right reply. Proverb, in other words, what does that mean? Your relationship needs to be right before you ever get into the situation. Because if we're close enough with God, if we're where we need to be with God, when we get into the situation, we will be ready to handle the situation. It's not when you get into the situation that you say, oh God, I need you now. No, you needed him about three days ago. Amen? Now, now, let's be right before we get into the situation. Proverbs 10, 32, the lips of the righteous know what is acceptable, but the mouth of the wicked speaketh forwardness. People who speak wisely, say the right thing at the right time in the right way, are people who store God's truth in their hearts. Now, this brings us to see, we're going to do it through the scriptures. We're going to speak life with our mouth by surrendering to him through the power of the Holy Spirit and through the power of the word of God. Proverbs 10, 13, in the lips of him that hath understanding, wisdom is found. And that understanding comes from the word of God. Proverbs 10, 14, wise men lay up knowledge. They are filled richly with the word of God. Colossians 3, 16, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalm and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. If we devote our hearts to serious study of the word, even while we're sharing the truth with others, God will teach us more of his truth. Too often uh, in the church board meetings and business meetings, those who talk the most have the least to say. Say amen right there. They say an empty barrel makes more noise. People who don't prepare their hearts for such meetings are making themselves available to become the devil's tools for hindering God's work. If we're filled with the word and led by the spirit, we'll be a part of an answer and not part of the problem. Here's a story and we'll dismiss. Have you heard the fable of the king in the menu? A king once asked his cook to prepare for him the best dish in the world, and he served the dish of tongue. The king then asked for the worst dish in the world, and again was served tongue. Why do you serve me the same food as both uh, the best and the worst? The perplexed monarch asked. Because your majesty, the cook replied, the tongue is the best of things when used wisely and lovingly, but it is the worst of things when used carelessly and unkindly. Death and life, death and life are in the power of the tongue. Let me tell you what's going to happen this week. Close it up real good. I'm three minutes over time. Look at me, look at me, look at me, look at me, look at me. Everybody look at me, look at me, look at me. Look up here. Something's going to happen. You're going to be tested. You're going to be challenged with the truth that you've learned tonight. And in a moment of time, you're going to have to make a decision. All of a sudden, the Holy Spirit's going to say, what I tell you? What'd you learn this week? And some of y'all are going to disregard the, the Holy Spirit. And you're going to run your mouth anyhow. And you're going to pay the consequences. And some of you are going to say, yeah, I'm not, I'm not going to respond to that. Or I'm going to respond with gentleness and a soft answer. It never fails that I preach or teach on something that God doesn't make me face it that week. Whether it's forgiveness, whether it's compassion, whether it's kindness, whatever it might be, you have been presented with a truth tonight. Now, what are you going to do with it? Are we going to be Christ-like and accept it? And I say, here's the, here's the difference between churchgoers and disciples. You're going to let the truth that you learn change you tonight. And we're going to start doing this stuff, not being a hearer only. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. As you leave, as you leave, I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray. But as you leave, there's going to be volunteers out at the table. Uh, for, for Hey, we've got over 200 new people in life groups. Let's give God praise and glory right there. Amen. Woo to the who. Amen. Great. But we need some more. Some of y'all are not in it yet. Remember, this coming Sunday, this coming Sunday, we're kicking off Not a Fan. 
and it is intense. It is, it's, it's going to be incredible. I'm telling you, it may be the greatest series we've done at Temple Baptist Church, but you're not going to get the full benefit if you're not in a life group because it's going to be two phases. I'm going to be preaching from here, and we're going to be doing video and studies from the life groups, so you need both of them, all right? So help me out with that. Get with those volunteers. Find a good life group to get into, and we'll have a big time in Jesus' name. Amen? Say this with me. This week, I shall watch my mouth. In Jesus' name. Lord, help us to do it. In Jesus' name. Amen. Good night, everybody.